Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, Guy Dutil, Managing Director of Hickey & Associates, EMEA, discusses European logistics trends. Thanks very much, Guy, for speaking with Cornet Global today. Good afternoon. I understand that Hickey recently released a report on European logistics trends. How extensive was that report? It was pretty extensive. We looked across 16 key markets uh, right across Europe. Um, we looked at both a number of operational as well as location factors within the report. Um, those included things like talent pipelines, infrastructure, fertility rates, migratory patterns, uh, commute times, um, amenities, and as well as grants and incentives. Um, and the report looked at not just uh, what the occupier market was doing, um, we also looked at third-party logistics companies, we talked to employment agencies who were the, you know, right at the raw end of this, uh, as well as developer investors um, to back up our research. Okay. That's comprehensive. So what are the major trends in logistics that you're seeing in Europe today? Um, well, it, it's all based around the massive boom in e-commerce, um, which is causing a you know, growing demand for more warehousing space. And that consequently is increasing a uh, shortage in labor. Um, to give you an example, over the last five years, the number of logistics workers in Europe has increased by about 20% adding about half a million uh, new jobs. Um, and we expect this to increase as e-commerce um, develops further right across Europe. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what about uh, geographic variation across the continent? Is that trend the same across all of Europe or stronger and weaker in different markets? Um, it, it varies, uh, and that's really on the maturity of the e-commerce market. So the UK is the most developed of the markets, um, the, uh, compare, particularly compared to uh, the, the, the continental European markets. I need to use the correct terminology nowadays. Um, yes. So we're seeing you know, growth right across the board um, in the in online re retailing. It just varies depending on, on country by country. So the UK, as I said, is the most developed. Um, sales have doubled in the last five years to around 170, 180 billion euros, which is around 6,000 euros per household. Um, and that's twice uh, the size of the French or the German markets. Uh, and the sales of for online, um, they're both around 100 billion in sales. And uh, what we're seeing is growth in those, so there's a lot more potential, which is therefore going to require more warehousing space and more pressure on, on the labor markets. The Eastern European markets are now doubling their online sales every year. Um, and again, that's create, creating a, a pressure in, in those markets. We've seen in the past a number of Eastern European markets um, providing employees. So uh, for for the likes of the UK, France, Germany, you know, particularly Poland, Bulgaria, Romania, Czech Republic. Um, but there is now increasing demand for those workers back home, um, and that's causing 
pretty significant pressures in, in certain uh, countries. I'll give you an example. In the Czech Republic, um, they're actually having to uh, proactively encourage uh, workers from outside the Czech Republic to come in there, and they've actually um, been targeting specifically the Philippines and providing um, accommodation um, for Filipino workers to come in and work in their logistics warehouses. Okay. Now, what about industry sectors? Is the growth in e-commerce uh, the same across all sectors? That's an interesting question. It, no, it isn't the same. Uh, it does vary across each sector and each country. Uh, the highest penetration is in the clothing retailing. Um, I think we all have examples of our, ourselves and our families buying uh, clothing and returning it particularly, which is a, another challenge in the market. Um, the average across Europe um, for clothing penetration is about 38%. Um, whereas soft software and household goods are about 30% average across Europe. But this really does vary between sort of Western European markets where, for example, clothing sales can be 50 to 60% of the market and Eastern Europe where that would be 20 to 30%. But as I've said before, you know, that's growing. Somewhat surprising, electronics is still relatively low. Our penetration is about 15 to 20%. So it really does vary by sector and by country. Mm -hmm. Okay, very interesting. Now, you made reference to this moments ago, but presumably that, that boom in online sales is creating a huge additional demand for warehousing space, right? Correct. And that's consequently increasing the demand for the logistics workers. Um, with that demand outplacing the actual supply of those workers. Um, and that's leading to higher job vacancy rates uh, right across Europe because there aren't enough people to fill these jobs. Mm -hmm, sure. So that would impact wages, uh, of course, right, in terms of simple uh, supply and demand balance. Correct. So, um, and in a low margin business, uh, logistics operators um, really want to... Um, keep wages strictly under control. So they're looking at other different ways of attracting and retaining you know, quality laborers um, in, in that uh, side of the business. So uh, it, for, for one of the things that we've found is that no longer is the sort of traditional approach saying, um, this is the perfect location from a supply chain point of view, we can get our trucks into the shops within four hours or the deliveries within a certain point in time, uh, the operators also have to take into account um, other factors such as uh, commute times. How long is you know, it going to take for my employees to come in? And uh, you know, to also, you know, what are the amenities um, that we're offering to them? So finding the optimum location which um, looks at both supply chain and labor pools is becoming increasingly important. Exactly. Okay. Anything else that the logistics operators are doing to, uh, you know, get those facilities in the right location and still be able to tap into good labor pools? Any creative ideas that they have? Yeah. So, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, trying to restrict wages is, is important. And, and frankly, to excuse the pun, the employee is now in the driving seat. Exactly. You know, hourly wages are well above the minimum wage in most European countries. Um, 
and they're voting with their feet and choosing locations, you know, with the easiest and, uh, and quickest commute times. But uh, we're also seeing the operators uh, thinking um, laterally as well and, and, and coming up with new innovative ideas. Um, it's highly competitive. So they're looking at offering lift sharing schemes to improve commute times because commute, ease of commute, which is not only uh, the time spent in commuting, but also how you get there is it by one method of transport. If you have to take a bus and a train and walk, then that's less attractive in one location than if you can just jump in on a bus and get to the same location, well, sorry, to a, a competing location by one method of transport. So the ease of commute is, is particularly important. And uh, so lift sharing schemes are being, are being put into place between employees. Uh, some of the operators and developers are providing shuttle buses to improve communications to that. Um, and also working with the local transport companies to improve the frequency um, and routes for the, for the public transport. So, you know, can you put a new bus route which would open up a new labour pool that hasn't been currently there? Exactly. Okay. Excellent insights here, Guy. Um, finally, as we close, any predictions for the future after your, your study and thought about all this? Well, there are, there are a couple of things. One is that innovation is expanding just beyond the sort of, you know, the real estate piece and, and the hiring of people. So some of the companies are piloting using employment apps. Um, so this is kind of like the tr traditional um, clocking in and clocking out. This is done online on your, on your smartphone, which isn't particularly uh, amazing, but the difference is those employees at the end of the day, if they've done a good job and their manager clicks on the, the app and says that they've done a good job, they'll get paid straight away into their bank account, which is particularly attractive for um, these type of workers. Uh, we're also sure. seeing a, a large retailer um, trialing family contracts. Um, so that's where husband and wife or partners can commit to providing 40, 50 hours work between the two of them, um, but it doesn't matter which one of them fulfills it. Um, so they can, that provides really good flexibility for, yeah. uh, for, for those employees. Um, but it also is attractive in the logistics industry because it um, provides a larger pool of employees that they can tap into, particularly for overtime and peak periods around Black Friday and things like that. In terms of prediction looking into the future, um, as I said, logistics is, is typically a low margin business, with labor one of their largest costs. So that increasing labor shortage and the lowering cost of automation, which we're finally uh, seeing, I believe will mean a faster pace of change and move towards automation in the, the logistics industry. There are those that do it, um, and, but it is still relatively lowly uh, used because of that high cost. So I, I, my prediction is that this labor shortage um, combined with the improvements in automation, the lowering of costs in automation will mean faster adoption um, in a traditionally uh, low margin business.
Sure, okay. Absolutely. Well, we'll keep an eye on all these trends in this sector, and so um, we thank you very much, Guy, for uh, uh, conducting this research and sharing some of the highlights to, today with Cornet Global. Pleasure, and I think it's available, uh, the report's available on the Cornet site, yeah, correct? Exactly, it is. Uh, so our listeners can access the full report on the uh, Cornet Global Knowledge Center. Just log in and access the report. Thanks very much thank for you. the reminder. Yes, sir, thank you. Thank you, Tim. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.